Thank you so much. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let's, um, let's open our Bibles. 
Thank you, Father. Second Corinthians. Chapter three. But <clears throat> they say amen. Okay, still getting there. Second Corinthians three. Um, let's read from verse. Let's just read from verse one. Thank you, Jesus. Um, do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we, as some others, epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you? Ye are our epistles written in our hearts, known and read of all men, for as much as you are manifestly declared to, to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, praise Jesus, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart, and such trust have we through Christ, to God word, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Praise God. Who also had made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter killeth. The letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. Thank you, Jesus. See, the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. The spirit giveth life. Praise God. Let's see. Okay, let's continue. But if the ministration of death, written and engraving in stones, was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away. How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? For if the ministration of this of condemnation be glory much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in what in glory for even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by glory of by reason sorry of the glory that would excel it thank you jesus um, let's see um, the book of, let's go first just to Genesis, just to see the beginning of, or the introduction to the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. 
Um, in Genesis 1, he said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And then you see the spirit of who? The spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And then verse 3 says, and, and God said, let there be light, and there was light, and it, and it, goes, it goes on and on. Praise Jesus. Um, what Second Corinthians is just introducing us to is the, the, that concept of what he calls the ministry of the spirit, or he calls it the ministration of the spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 6 of Second Corinthians chapter 3 said, well, Who also had made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of what? The spirit. So a minister of the New Testament is a minister of the spirit. That is the, the distinguishing factor of a minister of the New Testament. That's what they're just explaining here, that um, what he has made us, when he says he made us able ministers, that that ability is talking about the, the measure of the spirit that is involved in the ministry of the New Testament. Amen. Now, um, if they were made able ministers by making them able to minister by the Spirit, it means that the, the minister, remember, let's go back to verse. Um, okay. Yes. Verse 5. Okay, let's verse 4. Um, it says, and such trust have we through Christ to God word. You see that? Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves. So it's making it clear that when it comes to ministry, sufficiency in ministry, when it comes to the New Testament, anything about the New Testament, the sufficiency, sufficiency means it is sufficient. It is, is, is equal to the task, is able to get the job done. That, that sufficiency is not of ourselves, but it is not to think of anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. Ooh, that thing called sufficiency is really the is the help of the spirit that brings about sufficiency. Praise God. And then he says that not to think of anything coming from ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God who has then made us able ministers of the New Testament. So if you want to, you can extract ministry from a minister. So no minister was born a minister. Right? It's not something that comes like uh, is not a thing that it's not a natural thing that someone has when it comes to ministry. Somebody naturally can have maybe certain attributes, genetic attributes that can help with ministry, but that is not ministry. 
He said, not to think of anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. So you can separate ministry from a, a minister, for, not for an effective purpose, because effectively you can't really separate ministry from a minister. Um, God has designed it that way, that the only way ministry can, can ride or move on the earth is through men. And God just chose it that he wants to, he will walk through men, right? Um, but for the purpose of understanding, um, if you, you want to separate, you, you can separate, you can find a line of separation between ministry and the minister. So you now see that you can define the ministry by itself. And the definition of the ministry is the, you, to define a ministry is by, to see the sufficiency which the spirit of God brings. Are you seeing that anything outside the sufficiency of the spirit, God can never count it as ministry. Right? When it comes to the ministry of the New Testament, right? the New Testament cannot move outside the sufficiency of the spirit. That it is the Holy Spirit who brings sufficiency. It's not able to the task the, the requirement of the writing of the New Testament, the matters concerning those testaments, and the things that are written therein, the laws, the covenants, and every the promises, everything in the testament, they are things that man will always fall below. That is not possible to find any kind of wisdom or operation or activity or gifting or whatever you call it that can rise to the sufficiency, the level of the New Testament. Praise God. So the New Testament is, a, is the ministry of the Spirit. So verse 6 is now speaking about what he calls ability. So who also had made us able ministers of who? Of what the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. <laughs> Praise God. So that ability is the ability of the Spirit of God that can rest upon men for the purpose of ministry. Now, this is not Bible school. I'm not teaching about being a minister of the gospel. I'm just trying to separate something. Why is he talking like this? Is he about to ordain us into ministry? Amen. <laughs> Praise God. What I'm just, like I said before, is for the purpose of understanding. You want to separate the ministry. If you can, those who are able to benefit from a minister are those who can see the ministry in them. You understand that? Because that is the ministry in a minister, it sits as an ability. It's a, it's a strange ability. It's a different. It's, you will find that it's not something that his, his father taught him or his mother taught him. He didn't learn it in school. It's something just, it's a strange Alien ability is something which the spirit supplies. And you know, sometimes the devil fights us not to be able to discern those things in, in men, but God designed it that is by, if you want me, who is a minister? A minister is just is a vessel who God has raised to demonstrate a ministry. Do you see that? Is the, they have made him able to, to do what, to demonstrate 
a ministry in the in the eyes. That's why ministry is not just even preaching or speaking. We learned that a lot from the language of Paul, especially an insight when he was speaking to Timothy concerning it, that don't just hear my words alone. Remember how I was acting and behaving, what he called the manner of life and all of those things. He's, he's trying to tell him, discern me. Do you understand? Discern aha, the, the ministry of the Spirit. So, and the reason why God has to do it that way is that the, the, there is the, the life which the Spirit wants to deliver, which is, or the life of the New Testament, which the Spirit wants to deliver, is too complex for it to be, to, for it to be given with men's tools. Praise Jesus. Like all the tools that we've developed for passing of knowledge, passing of things that is still there, they fall short of the kind of thing, the precision the speed, the pace, the complexity of the life which God wants to give to man. So the only thing God can use is God must use the, the, he must use the, the, the most sophisticated machine he ever made on the earth, which is the heart, the soul, of him, which is man. Do you get what I'm saying? So when God, God has to look at the stick is a man and take his soul in his hand and then put a ministry inside of the soul. And then it takes a man who God has raised to demonstrate the what? The ministry of the spirit. Do you see that? This thing holds through out the Bible. You see it in New Testament. Jesus, first of all, was raised. He called his 12. After he called the 12, they were with him for a long time. They, they picked things from him. When it was time to move into the core of the revelation, do you understand? According to the book of Galatians, he said that when he pleased the Father who separated me, that was Paul, Paul the apostle speaking. You know, Paul was the, he was the, the, big, he was the first apostle of revelation. Right? He was the first revelatory apostle. Even though you say, oh, Peter got revelation before him, you understand. But Peter's own came by, um, what do you call how did Jesus put it? Only the Father in heaven is... Peter just expressed a moment of being transported up. Something miraculous. It was a miracle, actually, that happened to Peter when he said that flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father, which is what? In heaven. Praise Jesus. But it's very clear from Jesus' language that, that that ability wasn't residing in Peter. That on a normal day, that's not what Peter would say. Peter, most likely what Peter would say would probably be the most ridiculous thing of all the disciples, knowing who Peter is and his, his character and his behavior. Amen. Um, but that was a, an inspired moment. Praise Jesus. Um, but in Galatians chapter 1, and verse 16, when he was, Paul was saying that when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me, that I might preach him among the heathen. Do you see? Are you seeing something there? That the, the revelation, the, the way God has designed for the ministry of revelation to flow on the earth is that it ought to be a stream that flows from within of a soul in whom reside that revelation. So God had to reveal first his son in him first of all, that he may then preach him 
among the Gentiles, then he now said something very similar to what Jesus said about Peter. That flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. Here Paul said, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. There's a way you can interpret this to say, I didn't talk to people. It's still correct because people, most of the people who were around him at that time were just, when you say flesh and blood is a program. Flesh and blood is not just that you are physically have flesh and blood, it's a program. I say this is flesh, it's a program that the soul can inherit. Do you understand that you can say, this one is a flesh and blood soul. Do, do you get me? Why would you say that is because the soul has married flesh and blood. Do you understand that? that how do you know a soul is married with flesh and blood? It means that the soul has been tuned and fashioned to cater to all the needs and the demand. It means the soul has become a servant of his flesh and his blood. Flesh and blood is talking about the program of the outward man, right? That flesh and blood just means the outward man, the system, the, the organization of life of the outward man is the flesh and blood, praise God. But the soul can take that program as his mission and begin to serve that program. That's what, who they refer to in the Bible as flesh and blood. So when Jesus was saying that flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, what he was saying is that you did not pick this revelation from your, the outward program. You know, there are revelations of flesh and blood. Right? It has its own revelation. Things, thoughts that comes naturally, that cater to things of the flesh and of the blood. So Jesus was saying that when it comes right, to the revelation of the Son, right, that was whom, if you ask me the summary of what was revealed to Peter, is the revelation, the sum of the Son of God, or in other words, it is all the names that the Son of God bears. It's that you are Jesus, the Christ, the Son of the living God. Are you seeing it? So you realize then that the flesh and blood as the main purpose of the design of flesh and blood is to, is to wage war against the revelation of Jesus Christ the son of the living God. They're actually against each other. Flesh and blood program is a kind of veil against the revelation of who Jesus Christ and the son of the living God. So when Peter said that, he said, flesh and blood had not revealed this to you, but who, my what? But my father in heaven. So that father in heaven is the same person who Paul was referring to in that Galatians chapter one, when he said, when he pleased God, who separated me from, are you seeing that something common between those two places? It means that there is an entity who is very committed and passionate to the revelation of this man, who he calls in Galatians one, does his son. Then in, where's that place? Um, is it Matthew? Sorry. Um, flesh and blood has not re- revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, Matthew 16, right? 
uh, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. So this Father in heaven, he has a, he has a passion, that's maybe the best way I put it, is he has a, a great passion to reveal his Son so that his Son can be preached. Praise Jesus. So that Father is always fighting in order to bring that revelation. He's in a perpetual war, war with flesh and blood. Flesh and blood is, is a construction of Satan to resist the revelation of the Son of God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Do you see that? So he said, I, when Paul said, I conferred not with flesh and blood then, what he's saying, it might not be that he didn't talk to other people, even though that might be part of it, but it must have been that something happened to him. They must have, Jesus must have suspended, giving him so much power. There must have been an operation of the power. You know, Jesus is powerful, right? He's, he's like, uh, he's, Jesus is like a magnetic personality. Like, I'm talking about the resurrected Son of God, not just the one who walked in Galilee. I'm speaking about just the, the personality of Jesus. Like, Paul met him on the way to Damascus. He's a very, very, very terrific kind of fellow. Praise God. You know, if, if human beings, just people like us, can be, um, what's the word, charming. Have you met a charming person before? Someone who has so much charm. When you're in your presence, you forget yourself. When they leave, then you go back to yourself again. <laughs> Something about they are, they are mag- magnetic personalities, magnets. Now, Jesus was like that when he was on the earth. That's why all the sinners were following him around. And all the disciples were following him. Imagine following one man. You, you leave your father, leave your mother, leave everything. And just, just sighting him alone was enough to magnet men for three and a half years. They couldn't go away. Some, some of them went, became so drunk with him. Someone like Mary, who, who lost her mind when he died. You remember, you read that story before. Weeping, went to his grave. Just to go and, if I can just anoint his, even his dead body. And when she got there and she didn't see him, her heart broke. She began to weep. Where, where have you kept my Lord? Just dying. You know, it's how she felt even about the dead body of Jesus. Now, how, how did she feel about him when he was alive? Praise God. So Jesus wasn't an ordinary fellow. Um, what about John, a grown man who always sleeps on the <laughs> bus and the forest? <laughs> Have you seen such a thing before? A grown man, a grown man in his own right, just likes to rest his head on the chest of another guy. A very strange behavior. <laughs> Praise God. So that will tell you how Jesus was. Jesus was a sweet man. He was a beautiful man. Why? Because you can't be raised by the Spirit and not be beautiful. Right, because things that make men ugly are the devil's things. Yeah. Right? Can you have what devil does and not look like him? <laughs> right. So, so if you you can, if you are raised by heaven, you know, is Jesus was actually a, a, a testament of how beautiful God made man. How do, beautiful do you think Adam was in the garden when God just finished making him fresh? You know, that fresh Adam. <laughs> When Adam just woke up fresh, how would Adam have been? How would his eyes even have been? What was the color of his eyes? Right. Have you thought about that before? You know, all of us are children of Adam, those who have green eyes, blue eyes, everything. 
right? Then you now you have black men, white men. Imagine a man who has everything. I don't know how it would have been. Are you, do you understand that? So, so God did not make, God doesn't make ugly things. All right, God makes beautiful, beautiful things. Amen. Um, so um, Jesus was like that, not just the outward person, but also his soul. The way the words that he speak, the way he spoke, is there was something about his personality while he was on the earth. Now, how much more when he had been glorified and when he has gone to sit down in heaven? You know, that was the person who saw. So you cannot blame Saul when Saul fell backward and said, who are you, Lord? Without any preaching, nothing. Jesus didn't open the Bible. He didn't see anything. He called, imagine an Hebrew man calling Jesus Lord. Right? Jesus, without preaching, got him born again. But just by his appearance and his countenance. Glory to God. So that Jesus was beautiful. And we know that that Jesus was the one who taught Paul the Bible. Right? And it was true teaching. It means he was appearing to him constantly and opening the scripture. So you know that interacting with Jesus, opening the Bible with him is not just an ordinary, it's, a, it's almost like a, you will be raptured. Amen. The way he will use the law and use the prophet, the way he will bring them together, you, you won't believe that the law can be beautiful until Jesus starts talking about it. Do you understand? That was the way Jesus was. So praise Jesus. The way he also did to the, the guys at the way to Emmaus. You know, he first of all hid himself with them, so they wouldn't know. He didn't say anything, he was just watching them. When he began to speak, something occurred to them and they realized they had begun to burn within them. Praise God. Glory to Jesus. So, so, um, so Jesus must have, you know, Jesus is the first minister. You know, Paul was speaking about they who have been made able ministers of the New Testament. Jesus was the first minister of the New Testament. I mean, on the earth, he's the first person who ever preached and ministered the New Testament. Praise Jesus. The first person. That time of, the way that Jesus went must have gone deep into the New Testament to teach Paul. That has never occurred before. He was with the disciples. When he was with them, he said to them, I have things to say, but you can't bear them. There are many things that you cannot bear them because you don't have the sufficiency. Right? You are actually insufficient for the ministry of the New Testament. You, don't, you lack insufficiency. You lack ability. So you can't bear it. It's inability that made them, according to John 16, that I have yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. But how be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come? Then he will guide you into all truth. Do you see that? So this spirit of truth is the enabler, like we saw. Right, not to think of anything as of ourselves, right? But the spirit is the one. Let's see that according to Second Corinthians um, chapter three to read it again. It says verse five, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiencies of God who also had made us able ministers of the New Testament 
not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter killeth, but you see, the spirit giveth life. So this spirit, Jesus said they didn't have it, so you can't carry what I have to take. But there must have, later, there was a man called Saul. And Saul, when God, Jesus met him first on the way to Damascus, they encountered him, he got born again, but Jesus said, I came to appear to you now. Then Acts 26 said, and there were other things in which I will come again to appear to you again. But in between now and that time, there are some things you need to do. You need to go and get filled with the Holy Ghost. So go into the street, city, there's a street called Straight, you'll see a man called who? Ananias. So Ananias was the one who laid hands on Paul, received your sight. He got Paul filled with the Holy Spirit and got Paul ready for the ministry of Jesus. And then he pleased God to reveal, to reveal the Son in him. And then he said, I conferred not with what? With flesh and blood. So if a soul, a person, wants to come into the revelation of the Son, anything that has to do with the gospel, the ministry, the revelation of the Son, there must be an ability in the person not to have conference with flesh and blood. There is actually, to me, I see it a, a state of spiritual suspension. There must, you must, if you want to minister the New Testament to a person, must, there has to be a way in which you can suspend their conference with flesh and blood. If you are unable to suspend the conference of a man's mind and his heart and his soul with flesh and blood, it's not easy to break through, to get the ministry of the New Testament to break through. <laughs> Do you see that? Yes, Is that easy? You must, there must be a, some sort of transportation that will transport you away from the thoughts of flesh and blood. And in that moment, in that place, that's where revelation of the Son of God of God comes from. That was the method of Jesus. Do you see that? Uh -huh. So, you see, the, the ministry of the Spirit has that kind of characteristic. It is that nature is actually within the ministry of the Spirit. You can't separate it. Not just in a minister, right? who we actually call ministers here are people who they have had some kind of encounter with Jesus and then Jesus has done something in them. There's a personal touch. Uh, to, to be a minister of the gospel is not just learning Bible and praying and being nicer than others and then say, okay, now you are a nice guy. We can trust you. Go and open a church. That's not the, oh, the way... <laughs> Do you understand? There's so much about there's so much about bringing God to men. That's beyond your ability to organize open church, all of those things, and pray and and read Bible. There are so many things. You just need to know what the soul is first to realize the task of ministering to a soul. There must be something to be a minister. There must be something from Jesus must enter into a man. And possess every minister is possessed. You must be possessed by Jesus to be a minister of the gospel. If you're not possessed, it will show. After some time, you get tired of the, of the task. 
They have to now bring other things to help you, other gimmicks, other kind of operations to help you, because it become clear that, <laughs> do you understand what I mean? Because souls can weary men, you know? Souls <laughs> have anointing to break down anointing. <laughs> Are you getting me? <laughs> Say flock. Flock are doing what they are anointed to discourage anointing. <laughs> Praise Jesus. You know, some people can feel very anointed until you jam flock, right? When you jam flock, then, you know, you ask some flocks are more anointed than the minister, their own anointing. Are you getting me? It's more difficult. So it takes more than just having maybe gift, oratory. Um, knowing Bible, knowing how to pray, those are not those are not enough to be a minister. There must be there's something that Jesus has, All right? There's something that Jesus has, which that thing must come into a man. And and if you want to tell me, one of the the, the biggest manifestation of such things is that ability to suspend and break a soul's conference with flesh and blood and then impart another conversation for time being, for a purpose of impartation. It's not an easy thing. Not all men carry that thing. That thing comes from Jesus. It's a property. When we saw the, the, the Jesus of the New Testament in the Bible, that was one, one actual property of his nature that he manifested. Amen. But that thing, and you can, you can look at that thing, then ministry, when... Jesus raises a minister. The, the purpose of the minister is to be a distributor of ministry. Do you understand my language? That when you say this guy is a minister, is actually for to do what? Is for to distribute what? Ministry. You get the sense from Ephesians chapter 4 when the, he, he raised captivity captive and then gave gifts to men, and then he gave some, he gave. What was he giving them? Something, it's something. It's a gift from, from not, not just, they didn't pray their way into it. They didn't fast their way into it. You can't fast your way to be a minister of the gospel and pray your way into it. He has to do, he has to give. Jesus must come and give something. And those things we call apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, they are not just revelation or something, there is something from Jesus that is given to a man. He gave them to be pastors. He gave them to be apostles. He gave them to be prophets and all of those things. Then for what? For the what perfecting of the saints that you now see? For the work of the ministry. Amen. Let's use, let's not just assume this thing and say work of the ministry, go and build church. No, let's try and use the, the sense of the New Testament to interpret what this work of the word ministry is. So it, to me, it's, it's a bit clear that this work of the ministry is the ministration of the Spirit, which ought to be occurring inside every heart. That, that is a, it's a ministry. Think about this way. Um, what God needs to do inside of every Christian, including yourself, is a work which a ministry 
must accomplish. So, if you don't receive the ministry, you will not receive the change. You will not receive the change. You will not receive the transformation. You will not receive the effect. You won't receive the work. So, the, the work which is the perfecting of the saints, you see, the edifying of the body is actually a work which a particular ministry of the spirit should do inside the person. And then the reason why he gave some apostles, prophets, which you call ministry gifts, you can call it that, is for the work of the ministry in the saint. So it means that those he mentioned in chapter verse 11 are ministers who share ministry to people. So, it's not, so when you, you see a minister of the gospel, don't, you're not just coming to hear a story. You're coming to take ministry. If you, only, if you only hear the stories and leave the ministry, we will know after some time it will be clear. Why? Because these things they listed there will not be happening. There's no story a minister can tell in one hour, one hour, 30 minutes that can change, that can, that can tamper with all, all the message that souls hear from morning till night, every single day, five, seven days a week, with non-stop. Do you understand? I mean, like the speakings of the world. And then that, that thing called flesh and blood is also a ministry too. Do you agree with that? That flesh and blood is what? Why, why, why would he call it, I conferred not? I mean, there's a conference going on. It's, it's constantly, have you, some of, so you can be, a lot of Christians in the world, we don't know that you are constantly in a conference every time. You don't need to buy plane ticket or stay, register in a hotel. You don't need all of those things. Just by waking up, you, are in, you can be in a conference constantly where ministry is ongoing. <laughs> it's called the ministration of flesh and blood. Flesh and blood, okay, these are my needs now. These are how we need to, we have to now, we have to shift now. We have to focus more on some other things. Yeah, he has, he has his things that the, that the soul need to focus on. And, he, and he, he must minister his cares to the heart. Flesh, say flesh. flesh. And blood. And blood. Must, he must do what? Minister its its cares to the heart. Make sure it registers in the soul so that the soul will not be forgetting him. Are you seeing that? It's administration. So, so just, just one hour's talk, two hours talk that you hear in church when you go back home cannot counter an ongoing ministry. You must take a ministry Am I on <laughs> Yes, this is the way this thing works. You must do what? Take a ministry that you will carry on your inside. So the ministration of the spirit is not just something that ministers have, right, to preach. It's actually something that is in them, that raises them, which they can share. That's what makes you a minister. Now, somebody who is not a minister can have the ministry of the Spirit, but might not be able to give it. Because you have the ministry, 
but the giving of the ministry has specific skill, a specific ability, something from Jesus that can make somebody an able minister of the gospel. Praise Jesus. So the difference between a minister and somebody who is not a minister is not, in the, it's not a difference in content. It's difference in ability. So, but if you don't see that, you can make a mistake. And then you, you settle below the content. Ah, his own. Wow, that one is the minister. Oh, God called him. <laughs> so when is he? See the way he talks Bible self. That thing. You know, that one is his own thing. You fall. You can register and put yourself in a place below when it comes to the content. But that's not true. The truth is that that ministry is for all. It's actually the ministry for, is for all. It's just the gift that is for some. And he gave some. Do you get what I'm saying? The gift is some. He gave some. But when he speaks to what the effect of the gift comes, is all. That we may all come. Let's read to the... Until we all come in the unity of the faith. Are you seeing the difference between some first... Then verse 13 is all. Say some. some. And then what? All. To all. all come in the unity of the faith. You see, it's not only the pastors that should come to unity of faith. Knowledge of the Son. Of, are you seeing that knowledge of the Son of God? Yeah. Which Paul said it pleased him to reveal in me. But it, not just to reveal in me that I may preach him. Galatians chapter 1. So... Revealing, there's the, there's the operation of revealing to preach. That is the dealing of the minister. It's a revelation that comes with a giving of a gift. That is for some. But there is a revelation of the son that is for all. That this one is speaking concerning. Till we all come to, in the unity of the faith. That's Ephesians 4 verse 13. And of the what? The knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of what? Of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Glory to Jesus. So you see, it's the same thing um, inside a minister. So go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. From verse 1, let's read it again with this understanding. From verse 1, 2 Corinthians 3. Are you there? It says, do we begin again to commend ourselves or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you or letters of commendation from you? Verse 2 now says, ye are our epistle. Written where? Then don't What? Do you see that? That's a summary of what I just explained. You are, so it was written in our heart first for, for, my, for his own self. Right? You know, he was speaking to that you may first save yourselves and them that hear you. So this epistle was written in their hearts, then, but known and then read of what? 
all men. Now, what are men knowing and reading? Knowing and reading. I love that word, the way he put this thing. The Holy Spirit is very, very, I don't know if he's smart or wise. <laughs> With words, he's too, he's too sharp and too precise. So it means that here, this epistle, you, you cannot read it if you don't know it. That word knowing here is not the knowing of, the, of just the revelation that the epistle is saying. The knowledge of the revelation of the epistle is saying is what you read. That's the reading side. But that knowing is, is making you to knowing what it is. Can you sense, do you understand what I'm trying to say? No. See, there's an information on my phone. Take, I give it to somebody who has never seen a phone before. Please, can you get me that, some data I stored in my phone? When you give him the phone, he doesn't know phone. He doesn't know that there's a password, there's something you have to press here. You have to navigate to an app that has it. Because he doesn't, if you don't know the phone, you cannot read the phone. So that knowing is, there's a vehicle which God has put the, the content inside. That vehicle is what he called ministry. Ministry is an organism, it's a creation. Some God, it's a spiritually crafted operation that if a soul doesn't know, if you don't know ministry of the New Testament, it will be hard to read ministry. Amen. So there is a way that God reads the epistle or God wrote the epistle and the way he writes the epistles inside of men, then a skill must come to him that is reading it. Because ministry can be sealed. That is one of the things you find in the Bible is a concept of God. See, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. And it's the honor of kings to, to search it out. I mean, that's part of God's glory. What kind of statement is that? It's the glory of God. Does that mean God is happy to, to conceal it? It's not that. It's not just, oh, God, I'm reading this thing. They can never find it. That kind of, you know, evil kind of, ah, they can never find it. I'm reading it. That's not how God, they're telling you that there is something called an operation of glory in God that, to, that makes his matters to be concealed. Do you get what I'm saying? The, there's something in God. It's actually a, it's a device. It's a kind of, um, there's, a, there's a way about him. You get that? That it's just, he can't but do it. That is it's actually his glory. Of God. That's Proverbs 25, verse 2. It is the glory of God to do what? To conceal a thing. But the honor of kings is to do what? To search out a matter. So God's glory is, is concealed. You see that? To seal it up is a glorious operation. 
So when they call the New Testament the ministration of glory, you've seen that phrase there, it's called the ministry, or you call it the ministry of glory. That's the best, that's the full name of what this thing I'm calling ministry. Just call it the ministry of glory. The ministration of glory. So ministry is actually a product of glory of God. What do I mean by that? It is a product of the, the wisdom of God's glory that developed that thing. So God said, okay, how do we push out ministry? Send our word out. It is God has to do it with the operation of his glory, which all the attributes of glory is concealing. There is no glory that's not hiding something. It's actually the nature of glory to hide. If you want to explain what glory is to get to the meaning, say, ah, that thing is glorious, check, because it's keeping something that not everybody sees. <laughs> so when you see something glorious, the effect of or the, the feeling you have towards something glorious is that it seems it's elusive. You keep checking. Oh, wow. That's what makes you wonder. You, wow. wow. That wow is, you're not able to fully to grasp exact, the exactness of what it is. There's something about glory. That's why you see glory is represented by cloud, what they call it, Shekinah, all of those things. It's almost like a it's concealment. Clouds of glory are covering clouds that shield. Anything that is glorious must have the nature of hidden, of hiding, secret. You can never separate. If you say, I don't want it to be hidden, you say, I don't want it to be glorious. Those who fight against, the heart attitude that, that doesn't like hidden nature. Why is the New Testament hidden? Why is all these things, you know, God has to give some and then those ones, almost like the gatekeepers and all. Why is it so complex? Why is it not just everything simple? What you are saying is that I don't want it to be glorious. You cannot have glory without an element of things being what? Something being hidden. Praise Jesus. When you read the Bible, um, in the scripture, you can... You have many examples in the scripture of things that are glorious. Cherubims, for example. They call them the cherubims of glory. Uh, have you seen a, a cherub who, is, who, can, who doesn't hide? You can, the word glory is actually related to covering. Right? So thou art the anointed cherub. Thou art anointed. Thou art the spiritually formed or thou art the thou art the the spiritually endowed. Thou art the spiritually capacitated. Thou art thou art the spiritually weighty cherub. That's your it's called the anointed cherub. Is is actually elevating and speaking concerning measure of his spirit, of spirit that is at work in him. If you are, if you encounter a cherub. A cherub, say, who maketh his angels, spirits. His angels, he makes them spirit. 
Why, why would you call them spirit? Because they are supposed to be entities of glory. Right? And, and in Hebrews, it was speaking about the cherubims, right? It then said, and the cherubims of glory, overshadowing. Overshadow. What does it mean to overshadow? Cover. Hebrews chapter, um, is it chapter three now? Chapter nine, sorry. And over it, the cherubims of glory, this is where he was explaining the things in the most holy place. Am I making some sense? Yes, sir. Over it, the word, cherubims of what? Glory, what are they doing? So are you seeing the glory to, con- to conceal? What is glory doing here? Glory is shadowing. To shadow means to cover. To give, to cast a shadow. To cast a covering. Over it, the cherubims of glory, what? Shadowing the mercy seat. So these cherubims who are angels who made spirits, the anointed, thou art the anointed cherub, that word, that covereth. Ezekiel 28, the anointed cherub that covereth. You are seeing glory and covering. Glory and covering. Glory and what? And covering. Amen. Amen. So the, that's why the, the most holy place is actually the cloth, is the place of glory. That is the, the realm, that's the glorious realm of habitation in the spirit or in God. You can call the third heaven is the most holy. And what makes the most holy glorious is the amount of covering it has. In other words, how much veils are. It is the, the most holy is the most veiled realm of existence. That's the most veiled place of existence. That's the property of the most holy. What makes it most holy is actually how holy it is. And how do you measure holiness? Holiness is how concealed it is. How much glory is involved in the, the keeping of that place? Glory to Jesus. So if you will, any soul that will come up to partake of the glory of God has to be a, a person who is been raised and given mercy from heaven to have dealing with the ministration of glory. Hearts can fail or fall or get discouraged. It's not too encouraging. When they tell you God hates something, come and find it. And I don't blame people who just get tired and go away and say, no, this is not it. This is not the God I like. I like another one. Because this God is it's not that easy. But there's something about him. This, it is the nature. You know that God is not just one guy who wants to save you. God is salvation. So when God is saving, he's not doing anything outside of himself. That's why you must not think about this thing as a one wicked program. Why God just doesn't like us. He wants to suffer. Look at this Bible. How do we understand all these things? When you look at the book of Revelation, your heart will just fall and fail. Forget about it. This thing is not happening. So you can interpret it as 
God is just one God who is just hard. He's just hard. Just uh, uh. Why can't you just come out? You say you, you like us. Say you, you love us. You want to. Why? Just why? 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 Why can't you just come from where you are? But when you say, God, why can't you do that? You are saying, oh God, why can't you stop being who you are? Why can't you just change from being God? So, it's not, when they say it is the glory of God, I was explaining to you, it's not one thing you just choose, I'm going to be difficult. It's not that thing. Glory is the definition of him. He's the, it is the, you can't, can you separate God from his glory? Can you ever catch God in a, at any moment without glory? Well, ah, we just trapped him now, he's without his glory. You can never catch God without his glory. It's the property of him. <laughs> so if God, is, if God is eternally glorious, I love that song, eternally you are wonderful, eternally you are glorious, eternally, eternally you are God. It's called the eternal glory. Called the, 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 if the suffering of this present time shall not be compared to the glory. What? Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worked for us an exceeding and an eternal weight. So you see that thing which our light affliction is working for us. If you actually tell me what is affliction, affliction is the demand of the gospel. Yes, sir. It's called the afflictions of the gospel. What is the real affliction is what is, is afflicting a man to deny his conference with flesh. That's the greatest demand you can ever give to a man. Tell a man, go out and bring a million dollars. You've not demanded much from him compared to the demand of the gospel. That demand of the gospel is a great demand. It's actually a kind of affliction. Paul calls it the afflictions of the gospel. Do you see that? It worked for us a far more exceeding and what? Eternal weight. Now, you see that thing that the gospel wants to work out for you? There's a being who has been living there before time began. Who has that place as his perpetual habitation? A being who lives in glory and whose nature is glory. So, so the calling, amen. Amen. Ah, <laughs> uh, him who had called us, Ephesians chapter one, to glory and virtue, glory and virtue. You are called. Everybody is called to glory. Every soul, every person, every person is called to glory. Those who he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Of course, that will not occur until the ministration that I've been describing occurs. Right? I said that the ministry of the God, what he called ministry is an expression of a passion in the heart of God to reveal himself through his son. Amen. Amen. And then that son is our destiny. Every man he has, who he foreknew, he has predestinated you, you, and you, every one of us, has been predestinated to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 20, verse 30, moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. 
whom he called, then he also justified. Whom he justified, then he glorified. There is no plot of the Christian journey in the mind of God that doesn't end in glory. Anybody who doesn't end in glory at the end, you fell short somewhere. And there are people who are in heaven. When they get to heaven, they now begin to realize, I fell short. I fell short. I fell short. I fell short. And that was what sin is meant for. Is to make man, oh, I've seen and fallen short of the glory of God. Sin is an, is an enemy against what glory. Do you, are you seeing that? The effect of sin. They didn't say that and all have sinned and then re, and re, and lost the ability to be good Christians. All have sinned and then because of that, they no longer give their offering. All have sinned and because of that, they don't greet their neighbors anymore. They all keep malice. And it's not, it summarizes the effect of sin. What did sin come for? It's for one thing, to, to cut man short of his purpose. Those who are predestinated that you be conformed to the image, which is the end of what? Arriving at glory is what sin. When sin can stop a man from glory, sin celebrates. They just say, when a person, every time a person passes out of the earth and they didn't attain glory, they blow an alarm in hell. They start dancing. And sister rejoices. We are able to stop that one. He didn't go to hell. It's not like he came to hell to meet them. But he just went to heaven. But he went without attaining glory on the earth. They celebrate. Yeah, we did it. We did it. They chop knuckle. Yeah. They tried. They tried. They tried. That's our spirit. That's the celebration of spirit. You know, the reason why we live the way we do is because we are not conscious of the expectation. You know, it's like if you don't know who you are, you don't know what you're meant to be because of, why? Because of flesh and blood. This world is a, this is a wicked world. Do you know what it, what it means? Wicked it means twisted. We live in a twisted place. Don't believe anything you see. No matter how accurate, how right, how fitting, the, the power of the world is to make lies fit. And seem right, yeah, this is how a man should live. It's a lie. 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 Am I speaking to you? I, I, I want to speak to your heart today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Shut the hand. Glory to God. Man, Satoru, can you help us to interpret? Is it possible? Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, yes. 
Pelia Lebais Tiais, Telia Eloi Tais, Kilia Tosta Haloi, T. Kesti, Hilia Keta, Oiti, Sidibi Aitia, Mesti Helebelite, Kosti, Kail Iliestia, Ail Oitia, Messi Hilia, Aitatalia Lalais Tiais for glory, Kesti Ais Tiai Kaista for glory, Moistia Aitestia is the glory, it's for glory, it's for glory, Satan hates glory satan hates glory he's going after glory it's going after glory he's going after glory be quicker than him be quicker than him be quicker than him be wiser than him be wiser than him is for glory is for glory be quicker be quick be quick to come against him be quick to come against him it's for glory it's for glory thank you <clears throat> Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Glory. Glory of God. Yeah, so um, you seen makes for all have seen and come short of the glory of God. Romans three verse twenty three. Come short. Hey, that's an unfortunate word. They come short. They come in. If someone came short, it means that they might have tried, they might have taken some steps, but they fell short of the glory. You can take this verse and then turn it and then redefine, see it as a definition of sin. That sin is anything that makes you fall short of the glory of God. That, 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 that revolutionizes your concept of sin altogether. So you now see that it's not just fornication and all those things, smoking, drinking, you now see, you mean, that the, you mean the nice things in this world? Because you now realize that the nice things in this world can do this. You don't need to be a murderer to fall short of the glory. If a soul falls short of the glory, you might have been the most pious, nicest person like Mother Teresa. But if they check at the end and say you fell short of glory, it means that you sinned. You just didn't know. Maybe you just never knew what your sin was. Praise God. Yeah. And, and that's uh, it's actually unfortunate that a lot of people, after maybe living this life, they now realize, so you mean I was doing all these things? And I, it was seen. So these things were seen. When the Bible speaks about, about angels who sinned, were they fornicating? Were they... Well, do you think he was stealing or lying that made angels sin? Sin. Was speaking concerning Lucifer and thou hast sinned. Ephesians, sorry, Ezekiel. 28. You fill your midst with violence. It says, verse 16, Ezekiel 28, verse 16. By the multitude of thy merchandise, 
they have filled the midst of thee with violence. Means you is the violation of an order. Right? You filled the midst of thee with violence, and then what thou hast. Now, what is the result of that? Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God. I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of what? The, from the midst of the stones of fire. Praise Jesus. One thing about glory is that nothing, and no man who is without glory will enter into the glory of, the, of their God. Of God. The reason, uh, the Bible actually refers, it was speaking about you being fitted for glory. Remember that language was, was it Paul who was speaking that? You being say fitted. The, the, the work of the New Testament is to make souls fitted for glory. Is to make a soul compatible with the world of hidden things. When things come out of God's realm or God, the realm of glory. The reason for the traveling of ministry to men is to give honor to men. Right? What is the honor? The, the, honor, the highest honor is glory. Do you understand? You know, glory is an, it's a kind of honor. The way honor is a kind of praise. So glory is a kind of praise, and glory is a kind of honor. The way honor is a kind of praise. Are you seeing that? Might be found unto uh, the trine of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, might be found unto praise, honor, and then what? Glory at the what, appearance of Jesus. So that thing called honor is, is, a, kind of, is a kind of honor. That's what you call the honor of kings, right? The honor of kings is to search out the matters that were concealed by a glorious operation of God. So when he has made us kings and priests unto our God, that is a particular operation that is a, is a, is a kind of honor that God will give to men. When you say, okay, this man, I've made you a king and a priest unto God. It's actually a calling to a profession. It's a calling to a profession to come and seek glory or to come and engage in the ministry of, of the unveiling of glorious things, things which the glory of God has concealed. Now, what is in glory? You don't know it, right? You can't know it until you... You take up the honorable task. Right? The task of honor is that the task to search out the hidden things of God. That thing is actually called ministry. The reason for ministration of the spirit is to bring men into glory. Right? By making them take up an honorable task. Praise Jesus. So if you go back to that Second Corinthians chapter 3. Um, so he said here, that verse 2, that crystallizes this thought. says, ye are our epistle, written where? In our hearts. Then first of all, known first. If it is not known, it can't be read. So a part of 
this of ministry, what the Lord wants to, is bringing to us is, first of all, to know the ministry. A soul that will partake of ministry must be, yeah, it must be enlightened. When you begin to know ministry, some people begin to ask, why are you being so foolish? Why are you behaving this way? You are saying something. You will just see, they will just teach you and say, show you that this is actually the, you see, to actually get into this thing. There's a level of being around it and hearing the message, but to really get into this thing is a kind of knowing that occur. is is a knowledge of the, the complex, the dynamic operation of the ministry, of the spirit, by which he perpetuates the, the, the reading of the epistle of God within your heart. How you know a person has tapped into ministries? When you, you preach to them, they hear you. When they go, they are still hearing. If hearing stops, they have not taken the ministry. Do you see that? That's how, that's how you can tell that ministry, that the way you, how you tell a soul has taken ministry, not just words, is that if you took ministry, when you are going, ministry will continue. The, the ministry of the Spirit. So what the, the, God, the Lord wants to do is not just to fill you with the Holy Ghost so you can pray and then be hearing what from time to time and then jot your notes. Is, I mean, I, don't, I have nothing against jotting notes. It's very good. Please jot down things. <laughs> if that's you, everybody has their own way of, of uh-huh. jot down things. If jotting down is, is what helps you, you can jot down so you will not just forget some things. And maybe you go back to your notes. And don't just jot to jot, okay? If you know that you don't read what you jot, then stop jotting. Just listen. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? Be wise. <laughs> know yourself. Say know yourself. Know yourself. Because if you, so, so if at that time they are talking, it's the only time you really have. To, so, so, and you will go back to listen again. To, uh-huh. So don't waste time. Just key in. <laughs> Amen. But if you feel like that jotting down helps you and everything, and all, then it's okay. Praise God. Um, but so my point is that the hearing of is to, one of the, the main signs of the gospel is to awaken a kind of inward hearing, a kind of inward ministry. It's more than just hearing. It's actually a kind of operation by which the heart is able to 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 move into the discovery of hidden things. So what we call the ministration of the spirit or the ministry of the spirit is the formula of how to, to unlock what God, what is, I don't want to just use the word say what God has hid, but what is hidden in the glorious nature of God. Is the it's really to discover God, but you see, to get that ministry as a long stretch and a long span. In other words, it's not the first, it's not the first time you encounter the ministry of the Spirit 
that you begin to touch the things that the glory of God has hid. There are many layers of, the, of what hides it that has to be opened up, has to be revealed <coughs> by the ghost. Like knowing the, the nature of Christ, for example, Christ can, Christ, I know it's, you know it's Christ that the door, the veil that veils God opens to. Yes, it's a full stature yes, of Christ that the veil that veils God opens to. So, but you now see that Christ is a work of glory. Right? It's work of, it's, it's still in the wisdom of, of hiding too. Do you see that? It's, so you have to, what is Christ? Christ, that's why the Bible we speaks about, we speak about Christ as existing even from before the foundation of the world. I mean, there's a sense in which that thing called Christ has existed even before Jesus himself personally came and embodied that nature. So it means that Jesus, as the, the Christ that Jesus is, is, the, is the answer, an answer to a question called Christ in God. Do you get what I'm trying to say? It's an answer to what? A question called Christ. What is that question? It's a kind of, it's almost like, I can call it a redo. I'm sorry for oversimplifying. It's just to make you understand. I can call it like a riddle. So, hey, before you come here, you must, must solve that riddle. So the, the wisdom of that riddle was not, is not born the day the man with the answer arises. The wisdom of the riddle is, was used to write the riddle. Do you get what I'm saying? So, so that thing called Christ is a nature that glory designed that will put this nature before God. Is actually, that, that thing called Christ, if you want to really think about it, is not something that even was just invented now. It is actually the ancient wisdom of the qualification for the things of God. In, in other words, it's actually a set of standard that anything that will arrive at God must fulfill. That anytime you see you see somebody expressing divine nature. In the expression of divine nature, you can see the DNA of that nature in operation. But for every expression, under that expression, is a lower law being fulfilled called Christ. Yeah. That that nature is sitting upon. It's like a foundation. You can never, you can't be divine without the law of the spirit of Christ. Divinity fulfills the law of the spirit of life in Christ. But it's a higher upgrade. It's actually the actual life of God. Are you getting what I'm trying to say? So Christ is not just, um, even though you can call Christ a creation, it is a creation in man, in God. It's not a creation. Because you cannot tell me there's no Christ in God. How can there not be Christ in God? It's a a kind of wisdom. What I mean by Christ in God is that you are fulfilling something. 
It's like you have a very small plane that has only two seats. There's a law that plane is fulfilling to stay on the air. If it doesn't fulfill that law, it will never stay on the air. It won't fly. Then you now bring a, Bo- a Boeing, what? Those massive airplanes. So the fact that it's massive, it should it be breaking the law that the small plane is, is, is using? It just has more things. Do you understand? <laughs> it means that somewhere the law that that small plane is fulfilling is inside that big plane. It's just in a more sophisticated way that is doing it. Or you want to compare maybe a jet. You can look at divine nature as jet, maybe. Because that's the best maybe we have right now. And say, then compare it with just a small two-wing, two-passenger airplane. What, no matter how jet you are, you must fulfill the law of flight. Christ is the law of flight in the spirit. But God is faster than Christ. God, God is can maneuver. You see a jet, after a while, you can stay in one spot. Have you ever seen a plane that can do that? Where a jet can almost, it will just stay, and then it will just turn up. 360, then go like this. Have you watched those things before? Another kind of, say spirit. Spirit! It means that that jet is a spirit. It's not just an airplane. God is a spirit. So it means that God can do maneuvers in the spirit that Christ cannot do. God, God bamboozles Satan morning, afternoon, night, day, for eternity. Satan, God is a wonder to all of hell and all of... It's only when they see men like us, they have muscle. But when you, when you see God, God is something else entirely. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Thank you. Yes, let's go. Thank you, Jesus. Shepherd glory. Thank you, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I am a glorious being. Yes. I am a glorious being. I am so glorious. I am so glorious. I am more glorious than you think. I am more glorious than you think. I am so, so, so glorious. I defeated Satan. I defeated Satan and all of his company. I defeated him completely. To me is defeated. To me is completely defeated. Follow me. Follow me. Yield to me. Yield to me. Yield to me. Yield to my instructions. Yield to my life. 
yield to my dealings. Yield to me because I am glory. I am the true glorious being. I am more and more and more and more glorious than you can comprehend. I am more glorious than you can fathom. I am glory. I am glory. I'm glory. That's part of what the tongue is saying. Is that it's only the glory of God that can stand both toe to toe and above yes. the glories of this world. Wow. It means that there was something in Jesus' heart <coughs> that could make him resist Satan yes. when he took him to a very high mountain. Right. Wow, wow, and wow. then he showed him all the kingdoms of those. No, you can't separate kingdom from glory. The, the highest expression of king, any kingdom is its glory. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. The, the height of every dominion is its glory. So he, he, he said that he took him and showed him all the kingdoms of this world. I, I believe he wasn't just showing him kingdoms of the world in terms of the present time. What he was showing him wasn't the Roman, the glory of, of Rome alone. He, might, he must have told him all the glory potentials of this world. You know, the, the best product of Satan that he, he carves out the glory. It means the highest glory that Satan at that time could give to a man. He showed it to Jesus. Said, if only you bow down and worship me. It means that Jesus must have glory to resist that kind of glory. Best way to put it is that Jesus must have known secrets about God. He must have known secrets. I know that the way they represented that, that temptation is in just English. I will show you, bow down, worship me, kneel down, like you see Satan as maybe a physical appearance. And then he said, Jesus, if you can kneel down to worship me, then I wouldn't give you all these kingdoms. I believe it wasn't like that. That place he took him up to in his heart. He raised, he, 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 it was, it was a, a giant flesh and blood conference. That's what that temptation was. 
was, it was a serious conference of flesh and blood. The, Satan was showing what is the, the most glorious garment I can wear on flesh and blood. What is the most glorious thing I can wear on flesh and blood? That's what he, he tempted me. Yes. Thank you. Glory to God. That temptation was, is a type of the what we experience every day. <laughs> like we are constantly tempted by glories on the, on the earth. Constantly. Those glories. Maybe not at Jesus' own level. Because there is some kind of sovereign arm of God around you that will not expose you to some level. Like that level of Jesus' temptation. Right? It's not... It's not every glory. No, nobody here has seen all the kingdom of this world and their glory. But some see more than others. Some souls are more blind towards glory than some other souls. Some souls are very sensitive to glory. Anything that can put glory on them, they can easily smell it. And go towards that area. And such souls, they know themselves. If a soul has appetite for glory and there's another one in that, that corner and they just came for a meeting, they, they've never met each other before, at the end of the day, you'll find two of them walking together and talking. They find themselves. That thing is deep. That thing of sight is deep. You, why? Because when you see the fellow self, you understand why with the cloth they wear, how did they arrive at this combination? How did you... I'm giving you an example. You know that you see in them a sense that is secretly inside you somewhere. You know you have that sense. That sense, you recognize the sense. And then you kind of, hey, how you doing? How you? Oh, I just love you. <laughs> I'm just giving you an example. But this example of just cloth, but in life, is that way. A lot of times, how, how do cliques form? How do friends form? How do communities form? It's according to common interests, common lusts, common passions. And then common appetite for certain glories. You see that men organize themselves according to pursuit of earthly glory. Of different shapes, different sizes, different kinds of glory. And that's one thing that you see the ministry of the spirit will do. Once you begin to start getting spiritual, you see those things will begin to, to change. If sometimes if those things are not changing, it means you are not receiving ministry. When you are receiving ministry, some things will be breaking inside of you. Some things you used to love in people. Yes. Thank you. Glory. The Lord is saying I'm, this is a time of judgment because light is being shared on secrets of men's heart. This is a time and a season when the secret of men's hearts shall be judged by the gospel. Because the gospel is flowing. The gospel is moving. The tide of the gospel, it has broken open. There's going to be a gusher. There's going to be a deluge of even the waters, even of the tide and the news of the spirit. And on every soil which it lands, judgment will come. 
It will bring great judgment because fresh eyes to see. Fresh eyes to see the hidden works of darkness, the unfruitful works of darkness, and all the things that have kept men in bondage and in chains. For here, many souls who are in bondage will awake and see their captivity. And by virtue of sight, their chains will be broken. Say the Lord, it's a day of deliverance. It's a time of deliverance. It's a season of deliverance. Even the day of fulfillment of prophecy. Prophecy, 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 prophecy. The time and the day when even he shall turn again the captivity of Zion. And he shall be like men that dream dreams. But this dream will not be a dream. For it to be a reality. For many souls will walk even in this reality. The reality of the denial of the offerings of Satan. Say the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I said many of us will begin to gain strength. Some of the things you love in people, in the, you love in the world, the things that, that pull you, you begin to have, uh, you have not a religious distaste, but a holy hatred yeah. for the things that Satan has desired. You know, you know, the devil is very proud, like a peacock. He designs glory you know, that no man can resist it. You will get to such places and hatred will rise from your heart. Yeah. A, a disdain for everything that Satan has proudly constructed and has boasted and said, men can't resist this thing. You're going to resist it. Yeah. One of the greatest glory that Satan ever created is the glory of self. Yes. So that no man can ever deny this one. When he, when he, you know, you know the, the greatest thing for you to resist is when they show you what he can make you. When the devil shows you, I can make you this. You can become this in the next one year. In the next two years. According to flesh and blood. I mean, what your flesh and your blood can become, he can bring revelation of such things. And hearts are usually weak. That's why, the reason why a lot of Christians make mistakes and, and judge wrongly when it comes to things of life, your association, your job, your career, all the things that you make, is because there is, there is there's an image of you which you might be seeing that God did not create. It was done by the enemy to, to deviate the cause of your soul and push you into parts and commitments of your soul where he has programmed death to find the soul. But because of judgment in this season, when he's showing you that you, that you, you will say, no, I don't choose this one. You will say, no, no, this is no longer beautiful because of the revelation of another kind of beauty which the Lord will be. He said, in that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious. The branch. When you say branch, what is branch? A, a branch is a, is a person. He was speaking about Jesus, but not just about Jesus, because it became him by whom and for all things in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation perfect. So if Jesus is the branch of the Lord, it means you also ought to be a branch. Right? You, ought to, you also have to be a branch like Jesus. You understand? That's the purpose of Isaiah chapter 11 when he was speaking that he shall comfort a, word, a rod out of the stem of Jesse and the branch shall grow out of his root and the spirit of the Lord shall be upon him. They began to list the operations of those spirits. 
you know those, they are the spirit that produces branch. Right? When he said that in that day the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious, the reason why the branch is beautiful is because of ministry. So you know that, that when, you, when you hear seven spirits, seven spirits is not just Holy Ghost like that came on Pentecost upon them. It didn't manifest as a Holy Ghost. It just came as a clothing tongues of fire. If it's just a clothing tongues of fire, it means that he has no base. It doesn't rise. It doesn't have division. It doesn't have separation. But when you see the menorah, the menorah is a ministry. It's a ministry. It's not just Holy Ghost. We say, ah, receive the Holy Ghost. You can get the Holy Ghost and go home. And nothing is happening to you. You're not hearing anything. You're not, you just pray with it. You pray, you come to church and go home. You pray, you're filled with the Holy Ghost. Yes, you can pray in tongues and you have gifts and all that. But ministry is not ongoing. But when they put they construct the menorah inside his soul. That means such a soul doesn't just have cloven tongues. He has seven lamps burning on the inside of the heart. That's a different thing altogether. You understand what I'm trying to say? So that operation is what the, the operation of the spirit does. You see, sanctification. You can't separate sanctification from beautification. It's, like, it's an operation you see all those things, the cleansing of your soul and the removal of your, your tendency to touch the unclean thing is to end in glory. Yes. That's the reason. That's why he will, he will give them beauty for ashes. The oil of joy for money. Are you seeing those things? All those things are, are properties of glory which were the operation of the spirit want to give to the soul. Praise Jesus. Praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Heaven, heaven, they are, they are, they are, there's something that they are bringing down. They, after a while, they are, going to, they are going to elevate us from this yeah. earth. You get to a point, you'll be walking, your feet will no longer be touching the ground because they will give you another plane to walk on where men don't, you will be walking in a plane where men don't walk. Amen. Your walk will change. I'm talking about finding grace for spiritual walk. Why? Because you are taught. You are taught. Now, those who walk in the spirit, do they walk on the ground? I'm talking figuratively. You don't walk on the earth. Why? Because they got, they got to a point where the, the earth can no longer get, lay claim to your soul. They will move you to another place and say, hey, take this new ground. Walk here. Another place in the spirit. Look, where Jesus walked is not where men walk. If you can find the walk of Paul, Paul was not walking where men walk. In this, I mean the walking of his soul, the ground changed. It's underground entirely. So there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Can you be in Christ Jesus and not be walking where he walked? When they say now walk as he walked, it means your feet must find the place, the ground where he walked. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh. They've lost alignment. They've refused that conversation. Anything that has to do with flesh and blood is no longer my concern. It's like a, it's an agreement in their soul. It's like, it's like you just you, you, you break bad. When I say break bad, not bad of. You, are bad, you become bad to the devil. 
Do you have him? Have you watched Breaking Bad before? It's a show. You don't watch that show before? <laughs> you think I watch that show? That's a crazy something. I was. This is a time when he wants to do the impossible. Amen. He said, the impossible is my, that's my, 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 that's my profession. That's my specialty. That's, that's my challenge, to do the impossible. So that, that which is impossible to man, that say, with God, nothing can, shall be impossible. Lord is saying that in this season I'm going to, it's a time of breaking confluences. It's not just that, because what the plague of man, of sin, of death, is not just a joining, it's a confluence. That's what makes it difficult. It's not just a, you cannot find the seam of where man and flesh was joined to just easily remove it like a tailor would tear the seam of a cloth. But you can't, man is too complex. And the marriage between sin and the soul has become so confluent, it's not a soul, it's not a seam, it's a confluence. It's like where two rivers meet. It's like Satan, he, he saw the stream of the soul, the waters of the souls of men, and he charted a way for his own water to flow in there. And he has a boat. Who can separate waters from waters? Whoa. When waters have mixed, what can you ever separate them? But God said, I, I, I am, I am, I am, I am. I am the almighty. I am the almighty. I break confluences. I separate molecules. 
I am, I am spirit. I am. That's what the, the Lord is saying. He wants to break our confluence. He wants to break it. He wants to divide water from water. The Lord said, I can, I can purify the streams of your soul. I can purify the waters of your heart. Have you thought it impossible? Think again. Think again. Think again. I am, I am the Almighty. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you. Yeah. I am, I am, 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 I am
Thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Says that the earth shall be filled with, with the knowledge of the glory of God. As the waters, as the waters cover the sea. Let's let's read Psalm 29. Father, we thank you. Marioste, Pariosa, Lerihenoko, La Halogoria, Gahala Galoria, Kaliosia, Kaliosia, Kaliosia. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Amen. Amen. Psalm 29, verse 1 says, Give unto the Lord, O ye mighty. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. That word give means you attribute unto him. Right? You give him glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Then worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Praise God. This is Bible language. When they say giving glory, it's not um, that you are the one who will glorify God. What they are just saying is to give glory to him. He's almost like coming to alignment with his glory, with his glory. And that way to give, when they say give, because they, want to, they want to check our, um, they want to check your, the output of your estimation. They can say, God is there, what do you call him? What do you see him as? Who is he? How much, how much insight? What is your perspective of God? And it means that until a soul can come into it, the glorious perspective means where you, you, have, you have access into the, the knowledge of his glory, the revelation of his glory. The soul hasn't really gotten to the end point, the destination. The, the soul, you see your soul is, has been designed for glory. He has called you to glory and to virtue. Praise Jesus. So that glory is the sign that the soul has arrived at that place is when in the soul there is a comprehension or an apprehension of the glory to make the soul apprehend glory. And when I'm talking about apprehension of glory, it's not by Something not hitting you all. It's, it's a training. Glory is actually a school. It's like the, it's a school where the, of the spirit, where the spirit of God will train the soul on the, the passages, the points, the wisdoms, the way and the manner of God's life, which is glorious. Praise the Lord. So when it says, give unto the Lord glory and strength, to give it, they are just, just asking. Is it in you? 
hey, okay, give it. Is it in you? Can you give glory to God? Means, do you, have, do you have the concept of his glory in you? Do you have the revelation of his glory in you? Do you have the praise that we should be found unto the praise of his glory? That we should be to the praise of his glory. Who first trusted in Christ? Ephesians chapter 1. Praise God. What is the meaning of that? For you to be to the praise of his glory means the, the glory of God can, can arise from you. You can, you, can, you can raise conversation about his glory. Right? That's how what it means. Anybody is not singing, I give glory to you. No, that's not how you give glory to God. To, to glorify God is that his glory can be found in you. The knowledge, you can speak in the, at the place, the plane of his glory. You can, you can have a speech that is coded with glory. You can have a conversation of heart and of life that doesn't break the code of glory. Such a person gives glory to God. So you can never give glory to God until you've been made glorious. That, that so God, you, you can sing and sing and sing, but when you are singing, God, I give you glory, he's not feeling it. He's not feeling like he's being glorified, right? Glory, glory. Oh. Was it John Piper? I think he's, you know John Piper? His, 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 his most, his greatest phrase, or I guess his greatest revelation really is, he said that God is most glorified when you are most satisfied in him. Do you understand? God is most glorified when you are what? Now if, how can you be satisfied in God? It is the glory of God that is the satisfaction of man. So God's glory and man's glory should, man, when God to glorify man, he must give man his glory. Man, you must know the glory of God. Praise Jesus. Say, give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Verse 2, give unto the Lord the glory that is due. That word, due to his name. It means his name is the name of who we, what he is. What do you call him? There is a glory of that name. That, you, that glory must be found in you. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And verse 3 says, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory, thundereth. This is now telling you about what God wants to do inside your soul. What does God want to do? Those waters, what are the waters of your soul? That the prophecy was speaking concerning. Those waters that Satan has polluted. That water that, he has, that Satan has married with his own waters. And is boasting that those things can never be separated. Something is landing. It's called the voice of the Lord. Amen. That will be upon the waters. Like the, you know when they say the voice of the Lord will be upon the waters. The voice of the Lord cannot be upon the waters until his spirit first. That's the order of Genesis. You didn't have, the reason is for voice to come. Right in Genesis chapter one, it's really voice they wanted to bring because God began then to speak. Right, it was actually His voice that brought order to the earth. But you know, so there was a prerequisite to His voice coming is the Spirit, 
right, that the spirit of the Lord, of God, what happened to the spirit? The Bible says it moved. Is that, what, is that what it says? Chapter one, Genesis, that the spirit of God, of God moved. It moved upon, there is coming a move of the spirit, said the Lord. It's a move. It's gonna be a move. It's not gonna be a move like we have anticipated or we have thought or imagined before. This is gonna be another move. It's not just gonna be a move of the spirit just in the atmosphere or in the churches and all of that. It's gonna be a move of the spirit over the waters of the, of the heart and the souls of men. As the picture was in Genesis, because say, man has gotten to a point where in the eyes of God, he is without form and is void. But the Lord, the God is saying that it's time, the season has come, the season of the prophecy, where he himself will pour out of his spirit, that that spirit is going to move. Amen. The spirit of God, the time has come where he's going to move. Amen. Move upon the face of the waters. Amen. Praise Jesus. When the, the movement of the spirit will usher the soul into the dispensation of the voice of God. Are you seeing that voice in the soul? It's what we call ministry. What is the purpose of ministry? Is to bring order to a place that is without form and void. As far as God is concerned, no matter how shaped your soul is, it's not form. A soul that is conformed to the world is without form and void. How do I know it's void? It has been stolen from. The reason for conformity to the world is to steal from you. The thief cometh not but to steal. You just feel like, wow, worldly stuff, and you're enjoying it, but you don't know that they are, they are exporting things. Satan is exporting. By virtue of being conformed to the world, which is taking a form which is without form, according to God's mind. Once you take that form, you will be void. Means that things reward will, because it's not possible. God's life sits in a form. There has to be, there's a form that the soul of man has to stake for God's life to be there. If you want to remove God's life, to make the life live, tamper with the form. So, so God's, the earth was without form and void and then well, the spirit of the Lord was there and then God began to speak. That's how the Lord is going to begin to speak. So, so ministry, when we speak of the ministry of the New Testament, it is, it is kind of, it's something that you can take, it becomes your property. That it is, it is an operation that will begin to happen over the waters, the depth, the deep of your soul where the, the, the voice of the Lord and the voice of God will begin to bring an operation over the waters to reshape and is for to bring another form, what you call a transformation by the renewing of your mind. Amen. Verse three says, the voice of the Lord is upon the waters. Then the God of glory thundered. The God of glory so there are different levels of voice. There is a voice that will prepare you for glory. When the soul now arrives at the school of God's glory, the, the voice that sounds there is a different kind of voice. It's a thundering voice. right? The thundering voice of God is 
the voice of the most holy. Yes. All right? Yes. Like in the book of Revelation chapter 11. When the, what happened in chapter 11? They opened the world of glory. Right? The end of chapter 11 of Revelation. That, that realm was closed before. It was, a, it was a closed realm. Think about it as, when you say closed, don't think specially, think your soul. Do you understand? It was, the, the, in a, your soul, the, the tabernacle, the, the, the realm of glory can, might still be shut up within the soul because they have to first of all prepare the soul first with a ministry that has to do with a kind of voice, the voice of the Lord that will be upon the waters of the heart to raise the heart to a particular point, to get to that Revelation chapter 11 point where it says, and the temple of God in was opened in heaven. You can switch it to your soul. And there was seen in his temple, what? The ark of what? Of the testament. And there were, there were lightnings and voices. And then what? Thunderings, lightnings, then voices, thunderings. So see lightning, voices, thundering and an earthquake. So an earthquake means a shaking of the earth, right? In Hebrews, he was speaking about that, that this voice has come in Hebrews chapter, is it chapter 12? Amen. That, you see, I, I shake, resist not him that speaketh. And he said again, I shake not just the heaven, Verse 25 of Hebrews 12, see that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not, who refuse him that speaketh on earth? How much shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven? See, but we are come to Mount Zion, the city of who? Of the living God. To what? The heavenly Jerusalem. To an innumerable company of angels to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, to God the judge of all, and then to what? The spirits of just men made perfect then, and to Jesus, verse 24, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling, that's because you see everything they are listening here, it's what you call ministry. They are they are giving you a, a, a list and a record of what you have come to. Like where, what are the things that need to be accomplished and need to be done in the soul. It culminates in the ministry of Jesus, who is the mediator of the new covenant. And then to that thing, what he calls the blood of sprinkling, that does what? Speaketh better things than that of Abel. Verse 20, 25 See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not, that word, he, refusing of him that speaketh is a complex matter. How do men refuse him that speaketh? Praise God. It's possible to refuse him. It's possible for a soul to come to this kind of season and refuse him. I love the way they say, they didn't say refuse he what he said. It's not... It's not you see, that was the nature of the Israelites. It's not that they refused what he said. It's not, it's not that they went, God spoke and spoke and spoke. I said, okay, 
and they went back and then they refused doing what he said. That's a different thing. What they did, as he was coming, what they refused was the ministry. It's a ministry that was coming. God hasn't even tried to speak yet. He was in the, in the, in the mountain where it was Moses he began to speak to. But you see, the, you see the ministry is actually the, that operation, that, that way of God's coming. When they cited it, all of them began to run away. Because there's something about this ministry that makes men run. You see that thing? You see that thing called glory? The way God was descending on the mountain. That, that, they've never seen anything like that before. See, why, why, why would they want to subject us to this kind of thing? Why? Why can't we just be like normal people? Every time, strange things. Since we saw you, Moses. Since you came to Egypt, strange things every time. And now this is the worst of them, or what kind of thing is this? What were they refusing? Ministry. Ministry. Don't prejudge the, the appearance of the ministry. It might not appear the way you seem. The way we know what ministry, when I'm saying ministry, ministry, don't think you know it's just something. It's, there's something about it. He's talking about the ministration of glory. Inside that ministry, there's, there's thundering, there's quaking, there's, there's fire. There are, there are all kinds of things. Do you get what I'm saying? It's, it's to finish you. To finish, to finish your soul. To move you to another place entirely. Are you getting me? See that you refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escape not who refuse him that speak on earth, much more shall not escape if we turn away from him that, that speaketh from heaven. Quickly to round up, let's just read that Psalm 29. I want us to read it through. Um, Psalm 29 said, The voice of the Lord is upon the, the waters. The God of glory thundereth. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaketh the cedars. Those are strong trees. Yea, the Lord breaketh the cedars of Lebanon. He maketh them also to skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syrian like a young lion. The voice of the Lord does what? Divided the flames. You know what it means of flames? It's mixture. Satan didn't just mix water, he also mixed fires. All this fire is lust and love. You have love mixed with lust. You can't tell the difference. You get what I'm saying? There's, it's, it's the, the fire, you know, fire can be polluted. How you would tell is you check it, the color of the flame. Once you add an impurity into the fire, you will see the, the fire will just change. So, but but it's, not, it's not easy to, to separate fire from fire. But there's something that the voice of the Lord can do. This kind of ministry, you see, it will just begin to, you will, can you, who can explain to you the separation of your lost? Because, the, are you getting the sense of what I'm trying to say? You can see somebody passionate for, for, for God, something, ah, I just got the revelation, and you, you want to do it passionately. But while you are doing it, there is another fire mixed inside that place. And it's not just the pure fire from the revelation. You don't, and you don't know how to, you just, do you understand what I'm trying to say? It's, it's another, there's another dispensation of a kind of a voice 
that what? That divide the what? Flames. He said, the voice of the Lord shaketh the wilderness. The Lord shaketh the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord maketh the hinds to calve and discovereth the forest. And in his temple doth everyone speak of what? Inside, when you arrive at his temple, everybody inside his temple, what do they do? For them to be speaking of his glory, they've known the glory. You see all these things they say the voice of the Lord will do. It will do this, it will do that. It's for to make them capable of speaking. Can you speak of his glory? They can make you come. This speaking is a conversation. Life. You're just there, your life is talking. If the blood, well, now tell me what kind of things is the blood of, the, of, the, of sprinkling saying? It's very clear the blood of sprinkling is speaking of his glory. He's speaking glorious things. Why? Because the, that blood is a, is a blood you sprinkle on the mercy seat. And that mercy seat is, is the seat of the Shekinah glory. Yes, so the, if that, that voice is below the glorious nature of God, you can't sprinkle that blood. So when you hear the, vo- the glory, the, the, the sprinkling, or what you say, the sprinkling blood of the Lord, the blood of sprinkling, is the blood that speaketh glorious things. There will come a time that you yourself, your blood will begin to speak better things than the blood, than the blood of Abel. Are you believing what I'm saying? And in his temple, doth everyone do what? Speak of his glory. And the Lord seated upon the floor the air. The Lord seated. King forever. He seated upon the flood. That's the flood of your heart. The Lord will give strength unto his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Let's just begin to bless God. Um, pray. Some of you did not pray, well. I wonder. Is it lack of? Can you recreate this moment again by yourself? Sometimes the reason why the world will come is so you can pray. Because you can never pray some of this, of this prayers again. When, please let me beg you, if they say pray, I don't know, if you come here and you spend four hours and the Lord talks and they say pray, and you don't pray. Amen. Please take these things and pray them. These are the things you pray for. You know, knowing what to pray for is not that easy. It's not that easy. You can just say, okay, let me give time to pray. You need that. You might not pray anything. Sometimes it takes visitation. The Lord is Jesus, that minister. He will bring to bring revelation, is to guide the heart so you can fall in a place. He is the one that will give you incense. So yeah, pray this one now. That's how Jesus operates. His help of also the help of the Spirit. Say, for the Spirit helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what. It's not for lack of wanting to pray. But we know not what to pray for as we ought. Do you understand what I'm saying? So these are the things that you pray. The Lord will help us. Lord, I feel the Lord has heard us. Have mercy. But ask for this thing. When you pray, these are the things you pray for, man. You know what I'm just talking about? I'm talking about the ministry of the Spirit. You change your life forever. What you press into God, you ask the Lord. But I want this. I desire these things. But the Lord give you that, the spirit of grace and supplication. Yeah. You'll be able to ask and carry in your heart and register a desire for these things. Father, we thank you. You have heard the voice, the desire, the cry of the heart of your children. Lord, I pray, oh God, that it will not elude anybody. These are not 
my things. I don't know these things. I don't know anything about this stuff. This is your voice. This is what you want to say to us. Lord, we pray that nothing will return void without accomplishing that purpose for which you sent your word. Thank you, our Father. You will bring us into the, the actualization, the receiving, Lord, of all these things. Thank you for the ministry of the Spirit of glory of the New Testament is open up. It's open up within us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, our Father. We give all the glory and all the honor to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise Jesus. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You dwells between the cherubim shine forth. You